This is Behind the DM Screen. It is September of 2021. We are three DMs helping each other out and talking about our games, but I guess not usually in that order. I don't know. I, I don't really script for this show. Uh, I am Jeff Greiner, the normal Tome Show guy for most stuff. With me, as always, is Mike Shea. Hi, Mike. Hello. And not with us as always, because uh, Sam had something come up literally like a few hours before we were starting to record. Uh, and so uh, we are lucky to have uh, Ismail Alvarez joining us uh, as, as our very uh, capable substitute DM. Esteemed guest. Yes, esteemed guest. Glad to be here as usual. Based on the 10,000 hour rule, I figure Ismail is clearly the best DM I know because you run like <laughs> 20 games a week, don't you? Um, I, I, well, I'm at 8.5 right now, but <laughs> <laughs> wow, a week, a week, a week. Yes, a week. I say the 0.5 because one of them is every other week, but um, that's going to go up to nine because they just found out at my new job that I do D&D. So now I'm going to do. Uh, yet another uh, <laughs> student game for high schoolers this time, so oh, it'll be crazy. a little different than the middle schoolers. I'm I'm, I'm tired just thinking about it. <laughs> Nine games a week. Uh, you I know, thought, I did two, and I was like, man, I'm hardcore. <laughs> the funny thing is that it charges my batteries. Like when I do it mm-hmm. afterwards, I'm like, oh right, I feel like I could be up all night. Yeah, I mean, in fairness, I mean, I only play once a week, but only that's twice as what I twice what I used to before play before I moved here. Uh, so I play twice a week or once a week and, and, um, yeah, we get done at 1030 and normally I'm exa- most days I'm exhausted and ready to pass out at the end of the day and it's on a Friday. So I should be the most exhausted. And, <laughs> and yet I finish the game and I'm like, okay, now I got to go upstairs and lay in bed and read comics for like another hour and not go to bed till mid, not go to sleep till midnight. Cause yeah, it, it's energizing. We have a problem that our game is seven to 10 on Wednesdays and two issues with that one is people come in a little tired because it's like you had a long day and you, you worked all day and you're coming in and then like you know you're supposed to immediately go to sleep right like after after you're, you're done and that usually doesn't happen we usually right. have to you know wind down for a half hour or so at well, least and i suppose that's particularly problematic when you've got work the next day at least i'm doing it on friday so we come in exhausted but then like if i'm wired at the end of it you know i get to bed <laughs> at midnight and i can just sleep in yeah Anyway, shall we talk about our games? No, I, I would actually just like to sit here and twitch and just ask Ismail questions. <laughs> right, even, even though you're literally talking hear. to him. Well, I don't want to interrupt the show by also just grilling him about how the hell you run nine games a week. If we want to do a whole episode. I guess that's what we're talking episode. about. So I'll wait. I'll wait till. Right. Talking to each other about our games is literally like the entire <laughs> the of the point of the show. <laughs> I have more questions than he could than he could clearly fit into twenty minutes. I thought there though. was somebody else in the in the chat asking him questions, and I realized it's you. <laughs> it's like, no, that's <laughs> okay. So um, I'm going to put our normal fifteen minutes on the clock at the request of my students. I've actually changed the timer sound, so you'll get to find out what exciting sounds it's going to make. But my fifteen minutes has now begun. Not that we, you know care of when we go over the time because we consistently do that said my group hasn't 
played our normal campaign in about a month and a half. Hmm. So we had um, we had something come up that we were going to do at one point. Um, and I sort of looked at the situation and said, well, we've got about – I estimate that we have about three more sessions left in the campaign. But I also estimate that I am wrong about those estimates 100% of the time. It always takes longer <laughs> than I planned. Uh, so I told, and I, that's what I told them. And, the, and then a bunch of the, uh, the bunch of the, uh, three of my five players are like, well, we're going on vacation for like a week and a half in Mexico in three weeks. So it's like, well, we only have three sessions. In theory, we could, you know, finish the campaign in those three sessions, but we probably won't. And they decided, well, let's do other stuff then. Um, and then just have a big final hurrah and finish off the campaign all at once. Cause the off and on thing, um, it, it takes you out of the, the, the game a little bit, right? You, you lose the thread of who your character is and, and what have you. So anyway, so that's what, uh, that's what we did. We spent three weeks, um, playing some other things. Two of those sessions, we played uh, a little bit of Fantasy Age, which I kind of tied into um, to the setting. So it was Fantasy Age, but it was in the setting of their normal campaign. So they, you know, they had their big um, mass combat battle of Elturel, right? So they were they were in a small town outside of Elturel dealing with a, a knight, a, a Hellrider who had been wrongly accused of a crime and trying to clear his name. And um, I have these three little like mini adventures that Green Ronin has published for Fantasy Age. And each one of them is like this. Each one of them is, it feels like it should be like, I don't know, half a session or so. It's only like three or four encounters per adventure. And then the whole thing's over. Um, so I'm like, oh, well, I'll, I got, I'll get all three. We'll space out the levels just right. We'll get a little bit of a taste of Fantasy Age uh, and we'll, we'll go through all of them. Uh, and then character creation took like four times longer than I expected. Uh, hmm. And so we barely got through half of the first of those short little adventures, which then left us very little time. And I just skipped straight to the third one uh, at the second session, um, which in, in, is involves going to an old mining town that's largely abandoned because monsters keep coming out of the mine and attacking people. These strange aberrant monsters coming out of the town and uh, mine and attacking the, the miners. Uh, and, and that largely we did a really abbreviated version of as well to even get through it. Um, and it was a really tough encounter because they were a level lower than they were supposed to be for that, uh, adventure. Like, uh, it was a decent little taste. It didn't end in a real satisfying way, that two session sort of story arc, but they enjoyed the setting. Uh, uh they were more so they enjoyed the, the system. Um, they were, you know, fantasy ages are, is a really great system to play in. It's the same as the dragon age. I think, Mike, you've played that before, haven't you? Uh, I've I, as a role playing game. I mean, yeah. I played Dragon Age computer well, game, right, right, right. right? But no, I, I, I've only, I think I've only played it once or twice. Okay. Uh, I know, like Enrique, Enrique Bertrand, I think ran it for a while. Like he that did. was his sort of decompression from four E. Yep. Uh, was playing was playing Fantasy Age and playing Dragon Age, and and yeah. Yeah, people that play it really like it. I he's, think it's got a lot of really cool. He's the one who introduced me to it uh, at yeah. well, not I mean, or at least ran it for me for the first time at Gen Con one year. Um, and I thought you might have been at that game. I don't, so that's why I thought maybe you played it before. Maybe. Yeah, but I think I've only played it, I think, once or twice. Yeah, so I played it once or twice then, and then I bought into Fantasy Age when it came out and Titan's Grave and all that, which unfortunately we got chapter one of and that's it. 
um, for legal issues that Green Ronin and Will Wheaton have had with Legendary. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but but Fantasy Age continues to be like a really great system. And I played it. I played it with middle schoolers before, and the middle schoolers were able to like a pack of five or six middle schoolers. We all made Fantasy Age characters, and it took like an hour. So I figured these four veteran players. They'll make characters. We'll be done in, in half an hour and we'll be playing and we'll have all night to, to roll dice and, and fight monsters or whatever. And then it just took forever <laughs> for them to make characters. <laughs> it you looked like you wanted to say something. No, it's just thinking about like a- any any system that takes like longer than a, an hour to make characters. I just like, ooh, it just it, it uh, gets me in the feels. But see, Fantasy Age really doesn't. I think part of it was they were really um, – they were really sort of hyped up that night and being goofy. Um, and, and on top of that, I think, um, so I also have the fantasy age companion, which adds a few new races and, and, uh, some new options, whatever. Uh, but I don't have the book. I just had the PDF, which meant everybody had to wait on me to, to tell them what they needed to know and whatever, uh, instead of being able to sort of pass a book around and use it when you need it and whatever. Um, so the whole thing just took, significantly longer than it probably needed to. I think the mistake I, the big mistake I made was that when I did it with the middle school kids, I just, I photocopied a bunch of the character creation sections that you needed and then just passed them out to people as they needed it. And, uh, you know, that, and that worked really well. Um, so, so anyway, it took a long time. Um, it was fun. We had a good time. The system is fantastic. Everything runs on a 3d6. I don't know how familiar you are with the system. But everything runs on a 3D6. It's basically the D20 system, but with a 3D6. And then if any of the three dice are doubles, then you have one die that's a different color than the other two dice, and that's your stunt die. Or in Dragon Age RPG, it's the I think it's the dragon die. Uh, and it allows you to do these like crazy uh, cool stunts, which sometimes are just like you do more damage, but sometimes it's like, and then you can do a second lightning attack or you can, you know, so you can do all these strange things and there's tables for combat and there's tables of stunts you can use for spells and exploration and social encounters and um, all kinds of stuff. So they had a really good time uh, with that. And then um, those three players went away to Mexico for, for a while. Uh, as I understand it, they just got back a few days ago. So we're raring up for, for gaming again. And then, me and one of the other players uh, got together the last two weeks and just played board games and card games. He's a big board gamer and just brought things over. And I, I let my kids stay up late and come hang down, hang out down with down with us. So we had four players and we just played card games and board games and, and had a good time um, for a couple of weeks. So, so that's sort of what I've been doing for the last I don't know month and a half of my game or of my gaming group, uh, which I guess kind of brings me to. To what I wanted to, to talk about with folks is taking a break from a game and then coming back into it. Do you have any thoughts on how to do that well? You know, uh, you, the players haven't played their characters in a long time. They're decently high level. Uh, they were they're in the middle of Yithrin from uh, Frostmaiden. So it's not like I can, you know, it's not like we had a nice clean break at the ending of one story arc at the beginning of another. They're in the middle of the city. They've been there for like two sessions now. Who's got some thoughts on on bringing a group back into the game after they've been away for so long? They've probably forgotten the threads of what the story was. I have I have thoughts, but I'll let I'll let Ismail go first. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, so like I was being asked in the chat a little earlier, it's like, how do I keep things straight? I have most of my games, I have uh, players who take notes and I wasn't like some tyrant, like basically demanding that they do that. They started doing that on their own. And I think that was what let me scaffold so that I could have so many games. Um, And I'll get into that in a little bit, but it's great because they will then either just hand me their notes. Like if it's uh, on an online document or, you know, there'll be printouts or whatever, and we can just go over what happened last time. Usually a really good idea to just, go over even if it's it can be a little tedious just like going well and then this happened and then this but those details really uh, are helpful for fleshing out like oh i remember this and yes i was able to do that and oh i had this spell you know all of the little nitty-gritty that makes sense from like a month ago then all of a sudden you have to figure out like okay this is the direction we were going and what we we're going to do with it yeah, I've, I've, yeah, I've had this happen with uh, some of my irregular games, right? I, I have like two regular campaigns that are generally weekly, and those stay on track most of the time. But like, if we have a week off, I'll notice that people are like, "Man, I don't remember why we're here or what we're doing." Right. Uh, and for some bigger games, like we had one where it was like every, you know, it was like every six weeks we'd get together and play. This was for a um, Princes of the Apocalypse game, and they would they would lose they would lose track. And I think mm-hmm. what I would do differently in a situation like that is I would really try to think of each session as its own full game and sort of treat it like, what if it was a one shot? How would you introduce it as a one shot still assuming where they were right. You you'd almost treat it like a hot, like a, like a hot start, right. That right. like, you're going to run it like a one shot game, but they're still like in, you know, you're, you're, you're in media res. The only difference is the in media res is the fact that you played in this previous one. And then they'll go, Oh, that's right. I remember that we were here. But if you if you and, and maybe you could even jump. So like if they were at a spot, like they went back to town or whatever, you could say like, <laughs> no, now you're in the middle of it again. We're skipping all that town nonsense. You've already jumped a little bit ahead in the story and you're now here and you're getting, you know, you're getting jumped by a bunch of hill giants. Right. Or right. Whatever. Which which, and, could, which would work, but not really pertinent to our situation. <laughs> well, I mean, so. you're in the middle of a campaign, right? We're in the middle of a campaign, and it's and, th- and this break has not been typical. So the the run every session like a one shot doesn't really apply because this is, this is a rarity within the last two years. Yeah, of but you could still run you could still run this one right. So you could still like almost sure. almost think of it like a big chapter break, right? And you've had this big break, and then you say, okay, it's now time for a new chapter. So if you were starting the game over now, what would you be saying to them? Like how would let how me would it tell be- let me tell you where we dropped where we stopped because sure. I thought it was a, a, a neat place to stop because I didn't realize we were going to be on such a long break. Right. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with Yithrin at this point, but mm-hmm. I read it. Um, in the, in the city, you, at one point you can go to like the library and there's this, this doddering, whatever kind of manic, um, um, what is he? Arcanaloth. Running, yeah. running around searching for this book that's not actually there that has the name that that when you combine it with these other books like has the names of all of the Yugoloths in existence so that you know, the true name so he can command them and, and whatever uh, and he has this um, awakened penguin creature running around as like his assistant helping him with things and so they were involved helping him search the stacks because he asked and they don't know that the thing isn't there. Uh, and then at some point, and this is from the adventure, at some point the penguin thing like slips them a note saying, 
help me, you know, like this guy's crazy and I can't get away. And that's where we stopped. The penguin mm-hmm. like slipped him, slipped one of the characters this note saying, please help. And it was clear that, that it wanted to escape. And that's where, and so we finished on like that sort of a cliffhanger. Uh, you know, because cliffhangers are great places to stop when you're, when you're going to pick up the next week. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I think I think cliffhangers are also an interesting way to start a session if it was fresh. Right. Like if you were bringing in brand new players and you wanted to start them in Yethrin and kind of start them in this situation, what would you do for them? Right. And you might still have that where like you could just sort of rewind a little bit, have the doddering, the doddering Arcana Loth is running around looking for a book have the penguin hand them a note that says, help me. You know, I probably put some kind of sinister angle on it, right? Like, you know, what's the, what's the threat to the characters at this point? What's the threat to the penguin? Why can't the penguin just walk away? Right. And does something, and I was like, does something else happen? Like what's happening in Yethrin itself? You know, I, I, I do this training session anyway, right? It's like, you know, the idea of, of something happens, right? That something happens here. Uh, and when we talk about mine, I'll talk about how I'm going to start mine. But like, yeah. you know, something can happen in Yethrin that sort of shakes the whole thing up. You'd, you know, it's like in judo, right? You want to grab the other person and just shake them a little bit. And it just puts them a little bit off their off their uh-huh. game. And, you know, like you just want to shake the characters a little bit, shake the players a little bit, Ooh. remind them that they're in a D&D game. So that's, and, a, that's a thing I could do. Um, so they're there hunting for one of the champions of the dark powers, the the, the merged yeah. bodies that turned into a two-headed dragon of the soulless Castellanter kids uh, became the, you know, went together and, and with the powers of the dark powers became this giant two-headed dragon thing. Um, the, that dark power wants, I've changed the, the obelisks a little mm-hmm. bit. To be um, that basically that they are capable of of killing a god, right? So the the dark powers want to kill certain gods and replace them in the pantheon, and that's why they've got their champions running around. And so, but it can't it can't access the obelisk because it needs the staff that's in the tower that's all locked up, and and it doesn't have the ability to get in, right? So I could have either. Um, What's the the lich's the demi lich's name? Ero Lathris or something like that. I could have the demi lich, or I could have the dragon do something that that shakes the whole thing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, just you know, earthquakes, right? Like it's a whole city under the ice. The whole thing could shift. <laughs> it still I mean, freaks everybody out. It's a right? flying city that's buried in the ice, right? Maybe yeah. the dragons and they're digging around, and the whole thing tilts right. the other something direction. <laughs> You just want something to, 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 to just put them off, you know, put them on the balls of their feet. Right. All, um, all, but, but, all yeah, the that, books that, fly off the shelves and the bear. Yeah, something. Right. Something happens. And, and, and but that I, I think the general idea of like you're going to have to reiterate where are they? Why are they there? Right. What's their goal? You know, and if, and that's why I think I think like thinking of it like it was a one shot game. That's what you would do in a one shot game. Right. You would. Here's okay. the start of your session. So thinking Here's about the introduction, the like is. you do a one shot, yeah. where you, where you yeah. just instead right. of instead of building it up, you just sort of lay it out because we don't have time to build. Or it instead up. of assuming they all remember that where they are and who they are and why they're there, I mean, I have this in weekly games. I regularly oh. have it where they're like, "Oh yeah, that's right. We're on the island of Grimskull. Why are we here again?" And you're like, "The Codicil of the White." They're like, yeah, the co- what's that again? And you're like, "It's the <laughs> scrolls that have the whole endless night." Oh, that's right. And you know, so I have to, you know, yeah. 
I have to yeah. do that sometimes with when it's every week. And, you know, so I would certainly have to. And that, that reiteration, here's the goal. Here's who you are. Here's where you are. Right. Here's what your goal is. And, and then, boom, something happens. Right? Shane in the chat is talking about uh, note taking and, and DM write ups and what have you. I used to do the newsletter every week. And that just eventually, I don't know, after a year and a half, that got tiresome. And so now I do little NPC monologues. Um, you know, just sort of checking yeah, we have, things going on in the world. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and I think Ismail mentioned this, right. That like, so we have note takers. I have note takers in at least one. I had, they were better note takers before I might try to spark them again. Right. Right. Well, that's, and, that's my and, situation like, too. <laughs> well, and I'm, and I'm now playing in an irregular game and in mm-hmm. my, and I, I, the way to keep me off my phone is to take right. notes during the game, right? And so I put them in a Notion notebook and they're just bullets. You know, it's very, you know, 12, 14 bullets a session. Here's what we did. And and it helps be all of us. Like I share it so everybody can see it and it helps all of us like, oh, that's right. Here's mm-hmm. what happened last session. Here was the decision we made. Here's where we're going. Right. I you used to, I used to have at least two players that were, actually, I, I think I had at least, I think all my players used to be pretty good at taking notes. Yeah. And then A, the campaign went on for a while and they kind of stopped and B um, I think I brought at some point I brought in a coworker that started playing with us as well. And he has a really good memory. <laughs> and so like his memory was better than their notes. And so they all just sort of gave up taking notes, figuring, ah, oh, Ryan will remember. <laughs> like, yeah. The, I mean, the only problem with that is like, you can't look into Ryan's brain and see what right. Ryan remembers <laughs> where you could look at those notes. Yeah. Right. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I remember one, one of the players before I joined the group, they were playing with a different DM um, and they were playing Storm King's Thunder. And one of them was playing um, a rogue who doing the sort of stereotypical rogue thing was stealing from the party, <laughs> but somehow was also the one put in charge of tracking the inventory. <laughs> and so he had it in his notes where he was tracking the in, the party inventory and then he would actually go home after the session and use invisible ink and write in the extra nice. stuff that he had stolen so when the campaign was over he was able to show on a black light oh and here's all the other stuff I took that's so funny so, that's anyway, amazing yeah yeah, I think I think my you know, there's there's a bunch of tips I have for like players. I've been thinking more and people have been asking about like what are good tips for D&D players, you know, and I've got a bunch. But one of them is take notes. Right? Like if you're a player and you want to help everyone out, just take some notes and share them with your share them with your DM and share them with the other players. Once upon a you'll, time you'll when, I, hero. when I thought I wanted to take the time to do some blogging on top of, you know, the podcasting and the full yeah. job and everything else, I actually right. started a blog that was in my mind, it was sort of the player mirror to your Sly Flourish. Uh, you know, yeah, I, I, I remember. Yeah, I did, I remember I did it for about a year or so. And yeah, then yeah, yeah. I just couldn't keep up with all of it. So. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No one can keep up with the Sly Flourish Empire. It's, well, yeah. I, I got a lot going on. Plus, I went to grad school. So that was pretty much my <laughs> life. <laughs> right, I got my I got my doctorate in D&D. You're right. It's, it's, it's pretty amazing <laughs> that I was able to both work a full time job, get a doctorate and continue the podcast. So. Yeah. That's all very true. I am now part time without a without a right. yeah, yeah, higher, <laughs> higher education degree. Yeah. So anyway, my time is well up. I don't think anybody even heard the the new uh, alarm, but I heard it. I, I still miss Darth Vader. 
Yeah, I still have it. Um, but my, my students my students didn't like the one that I had before because I use it in class all the time. Oh, you've got three minutes to do this or two minutes to do that or whatever, right? Uh, but some of them were complaining like that's the alarm I use for to wake up in the morning. Yeah, so right. It, so it drives it me, me crazy, attack. right? Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I, I switched it to the, the quacking duck sound. So Ah, yes. I gave him the option for Darth Vader, but they didn't like that one either. <laughs> so. All right, so my time is, is long up. I want to let people know if you want to support the show and all the things we do here behind the DM screen and other things, you can go to patreon.com slash the Tome Show and become a patron. Support us for, for as little as a, a, a dollar a month um, and, and help me pay the bills and make the show possible. So that's my little plug. It is now Mike's turn. I got 15 minutes on the clock, Mike. All right. How's your game? So I'm going to talk about I'm, I'm playing two Rhyme of the Frost Maiden games. I was going to say, tell uh, me about Rhyme. Tell me about what, what, what? Tell me about your Rhyme of the Frost Maiden game. Yes. So I'm running <laughs> two different Rhyme of the Frost Maiden games. And n- nicely, they have split into two different areas. So my Sunday group uh, has uh, gone on the whale and gone over to Grimskull. And they're now doing Grimskull stuff. Uh, but I talk about that show on my on my weekly D&D show. So anybody that wants to know about that game can hear about it elsewhere. Instead, I'm going to talk about my Wednesday game. And, and by uh, elsewhere, where, sh- where should they go to hear those things? Um, YouTube.com slash Sly Flourish. And uh, you can find all my videos. I have like, I don't know, 300 videos of daily, of, of weekly DM prep shows. So... Um, Dr. Flourish didn't go to six years of evil school to not be, to be called Mr. <laughs> Mr. Flourish. So um, my Wednesday game, however, I don't talk about anywhere except here. So my Wednesday group, uh, they got the hint. So I've been dropping hints to both groups, lots of like visions and portents and people, you know, the Duergar are building some kind of weapon in the mountains. And like, you know, they heard that the Duergar were hammering on stuff and then all of a sudden the hammering has stopped, right? And then they're like, yo, the, the Duergar were stealing all the Shardalon from the stem, but now that they stopped that, so now they're not doing it anymore. And then they're getting visions of like huge beasts on chains that are moving and, you know, crazy Duergar warlords going like, and it's finished, right? And uh, they're getting, so they know it's there, but and one group's like, huh, yeah, hey, let's go to Grimskull, right? And then they, they kind of head off. And the other group is like, I think it's time we went and took figured out what's going on with the Duergar at Sunblight. Uh, so, and my Wednesday group made the, let's so go the to other, Sunblight. the other group completely skipped the Duergar? Yeah, they completely skipped it so far, and they are going to come back to Ten Towns in Flames. You're right, to so the dragon right? that destroyed it. Yeah, so, because so, like one of the things that I'm doing is like, I'm treating the Shardalon dragon and, and, and Zardarok Sunblight stuff as a front. And that front is moving forward, whatever the players, whatever the characters are doing. So I'm when not you say, when you say like a front, you mean in the in the uh, in the dungeon world sense of worlds. like, yeah. yeah, you have these like three big, you know, usually three big villains that are all doing things. Right. And the villains in, in, in Icewind Dale or in the Rhyme of the Frostmaiden for me are, you know, uh, uh, what's her name? The Frostmaiden, you know, Oral is obviously <laughs> one villain. Yeah, the main. Right. She's doing something. Zardarok Sunblight is doing something. And then I've been the, – the third one is really kind of Thrun, which is my elder evil that I've dropped in the middle of my Rhyme of the Frost Maiden game, right? And, and, and it's mostly do, the, the cult of Thrun and what they're doing. And how do any of those attach to Yithrin, which is the endgame of the Thrun, Thrun, Thrun's 
so Thrun is this elder evil that the elves brought in thousands of years ago. They realize they brought an elder evil into the world and that you generally don't want to do that. You can't kill it and you can't get rid of it. So they sealed it up in a big, massive iron sarcophagus or some kind of black iron sarcophagus and then guarded it for thousands of years. And then the Netherese showed up and said, hey, that's cool. Give us that guy. Uh-huh. And. And the guardians of the of the guardians of Thrun had a choice of either joining the Netherese and continuing their vigil, uh, fighting the Netherese and getting killed, or leaving the order. And you know they they, they are called the Knights of the Black Sword, okay. which are the Knights of Black Sword that you can find in Caer uh, Dineval, right? Um, that is that is a sect of knights that have evolved from the group okay. that that either that that had stayed with the netherese and became corrupt and then is that sarcophagus in the Yethrin sarcophagus then? is in yethrin it's at the bottom it's sealed up in a great big vault at the bottom of yethrin and and when it when yethrin fell it cracked open and now oh, through so starting to getting out and out. that actually caused icewind dale to be frozen over before it was temperate Right. And now it's not tempered anymore. And it's because Thrun has this like super cold aura that goes that that, that is expands from him. And he's waking up. Right. And so so did did Thrun have anything to do with the crash? Like I could imagine that shard. I don't in Yithrin so. that that yeah. dropped the city. I could imagine replacing the shard I, entirely well, and I, making it that sarcophagus. I kind of screwed up and said that Yethrin fell when uh, uh, when the Netherese all fell. Right. Uh-huh. And and in the book, I don't think it's that way. It fell before. It was before. Yeah. Yeah. It was sort so of a I, microcosm I, I, of what I, would happen later. Yeah. Well, I didn't realize, I, you know, because I don't read. I'm not Sam. I don't read books. And, <laughs> you know, like I, I just I thought it was the same thing. So I had already given that secret out that like this is what happened when Yethrin fell when this was what happened. The Netherese fell. And, it, and to me, that still works, that it's like they thought everything was going to be fine. And it's not, you know, it falls, well, it if crashes. Any, if anything, it, it works even better to then because you could completely replace that 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 crystal or whatever it is. Right. With the sarcophagus. The, the sarcophagus. I'm probably going to be replacing a lot of Yethrin anyway. Like, I don't know what I'm going to keep and what I'm not. I think um, it, I, I don't know. I like it so far. I think it works pretty well. Yeah, it may it may all work fine, but I'm definitely. Yeah. So in my version of the game, in order to stop the endless night, you have to do two things. One, you have to. You somehow use the codicil of the white to end the spell. But as long as the power source from Thrun is still being channeled to keep the endless night, you also have to seal Thrun's sarcophagus. Right. And both those things have to be done. That way there's reason to go to both places. The endless night is still there until they do both. And that way you don't have this weird ass thing like, Hey, we solved the endless night. What do you want to do now? I don't know. Let's go to that crazy evil city. Right. Why? I don't know. Right. Like, seems cool. You know, seems cool. Maybe. Right. Oh, like, look a demolich. Right. So um, anyway, so my my this group, on the other hand, said we want to go to Zar. We want to figure out what's going on with, with Sunblight and what's going on there. So uh, so they go to Sunblight Fortress and like getting in. So you look at Sunblight Fortress and there's one way in and it's this switchback path that goes like 100 feet up. And is completely defended by the fortress. Like if you look at how the if you look at the picture, the picture is like, there's no way we're going to go up that thing. Right. Like a single Duergar with a snowball could kick our ass. Right. <laughs> and, and and there's no option. And of course, if you read the book, the book says, well, the guard that's actually guarding that is um, uh, an ally of Grandolfa and Grandolfa actually wants to get it. But the, the, par- the characters don't know anything about that. So my character's like, yeah, we're not going up that way. What other options are there? 
And they had heard from Nareth because they, they, they had, or Dearth, not Dearth, uh, the other one, Nildar. Nildar, some blight, one of the I don't know brothers. who any of the characters are anyway, so. Yeah, so Nildar, so Zardarok is the main Durgar, and he has two sons, Dearth and Nildar. And they captured Nildar. And they asked Nildar, hey, what's this fortress about? And he said, well, there's a front door, but there's also an underdark. It also has a passageway that leads to the underdark. So they said, oh, we, we're going to go in through the underdark. And I'm like, great, let me see what the book has on that. And the book's like, yeah, we don't cover that in this book. Right. Right. It even says we don't cover that. This is beyond the scope of the book. And you're like, so the only <laughs> other entrance into this place, you don't offer any. So I'm like, well, well I guess I'm doing Because, because they stuff. didn't see it as an entrance. They saw it as. Right. After you, like, oh, we're, you're yeah, going to leave that We're going to only have one entrance and it's going to be the dumbest one you can imagine. Right. <laughs> like it's going to be this super defended switchback path that like, a, again, a Duergar with a snowball could kill you if you were trying to go up it. So anyway, I ended up doing like a fun little miniature underdark thing. They fate, they fought a mind flare. They did some I did like a small point crawl underdark thing. So they got a little taste of the underdark and then made the rain from the, the basement. So now they're coming in a totally different direction than the book expects. But it's actually cooler. I think it actually worked out nicely. Cool. And my session tomorrow uh, is going to my my strong start for the session tomorrow is they're going to he hear a huge rumbling sound of a massive elevator moving in the center of Yethrin. And they're going to be like, what's that? And then if they go into the if they go into the um, the Smith area, the, the big metalwork area, there's that central shaft. And one thing I'm adding is the central shaft has a huge elevator because I don't think dragons can kind of fly straight up a shaft like that. That's I guess it crawls out of the shaft. I don't know. But I'm putting on a big elevator so they don't even know. They haven't seen it yet. And they're like, oh, man, whatever was on there is now going up to the top. We're going to have to go to the top. And my whole plan, and we'll see if this works out, is they're not going to make it in time, right, that they're going to go up there. And they're going to face Zardarok and Zardarok is going to be like, I've, I've unleashed the, the greatest weapon that's right. ever flown. And I did it an hour ago, right? Like, like you're screwed. It's gone. And then the party's like, oh my God. And they'll still have to fight Zardarok. And then they have to figure out how they're going to get back to 10 towns. And I'm not sure how I'm going to do that exactly. Like, I'm, I don't know. I, I kind of don't want to deus ex mechina their arrival back at 10 towns. And I'm thinking of I, I have a couple of thoughts and, you know, yeah, I know. Ismail, you've run you've now run Frostmaiden multiple times. Twice. Although Twice. to be fair, um, I kind of both times I just went completely off the rails about halfway yeah. through. So I did not run the actual hardcover gotcha. for the second half of either like in either of those playthroughs. But I used the 10 towns area very extensively. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm my, my thought with the sh there's, there's a couple of things I don't dig about the Shardalon Dragon. One, I don't dig this like timer event where you lose half the towns because you're slow. Right. <laughs> and I don't like that the Shardalon Dragon is supposed to be this huge weapon. And yet it's a perfectly balanced CR whatever encounter that, you know, level seven characters can take on when you're like, right. really, I bought I bought the miniature and it's bigger than my cat. So, like, <laughs> it should have more hit points than that. So I, I well, think that and on top of that, like Icewind Dale, Ten Towns is not they're, they're not a bunch of slouches like they live in the harshest environment, you know, right. po possibly in the world. Right. Yeah. Why, um, why, do five, know, why do five people have to show up before? Anybody yeah. Does why, it? Do, why do five people have to save the day? Right. Surely there's other seventh <laughs> yeah, level characters. There's like right around. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of people. So I, I'm thinking that it will it will have destroyed Dugan's hole. I think that's OK. Like that. That I think is, you know, the fact that by the time they get there, it is uh, it is on its way to um, uh, what's it called? Not go East Haven. Right. And they kind of like East Haven, but not 
they're not super happy about East Haven. And then it's going to make its way to Cardinaval and eventually work its way back up and hit the other towns. So we'll see how they get there. And, and I have a few possible ways that they could make their way back. One of them is that one of the characters we had in the group before had a temple that she could move from like Druid Grove to Druid Grove. And the idea that maybe the temple, if they could get to the temple, they could teleport back to Bryn Shander and then make their way back would be cool. If, if uh, it, the player, if it, if it matters, there's actually, um, that's not horribly inconsistent with the lore of the region as well. Um, yeah. There was a, well, like a grove mm-hmm. to Maliki or whatever, because Drist is, is that, and that's yeah. how, that's how some of the companions sort of survived yeah. the, right. the time yeah. jump. Yeah, I read it. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I, I forgot you yeah, read those Ke- novels. Keddy Bree. Keddy Bree did her crazy druid magic and yeah. resurrected everybody. Yeah. So, I, I, so I, I, I was playing with that. And I think that might be kind of fun to bring the character in. The player isn't actually in the group anymore. So the character kind of became an NPC. Mm-hmm. And um, that, that would be one option. Another one is I could go with the – uh, you know, go with what's in the book where uh, what's her name shows up, introduces herself and says, you can use my undead dog sled and see if the characters dig that. The problem is like, you don't want to put like three of these options in front right. of people and be like, I don't want to ride on an undead dog sled. That sounds terrible. Right. And then it's like, well, then all 10 towns is destroyed. So I don't want to box them in with one option. I want to, I want, and if maybe they have, I'm, I'm kind of hoping to leave it open a little bit and see if they have, if they can think well, of a way to do it. And, and yeah, I might, if it were me, I would figure out what my three options are going to be that to present to them, but don't like, okay, now you're in a hurry. Here's your three options, but like right. seed it into the, to the dungeon or whatever ahead of time. And they might run into that. And then it's up to them to think, oh, there was that undead dog sled and there was this other, you know, and yeah, and sort of think it's a little hard options. to do it now because they're already in the keep, right? Like they're already, you know, they, they, okay. They'd have to, you know, it would have to be things that were right there. That were closer, yeah. Yeah, and it's like I could foreshadow stuff like that, you know, but the only one that I foreshadowed is that temple. And so, I don't know. I, I, I might end up doing that one. I'm not sure. I think I've got a couple sessions before. i got at least one session before I have to worry about that. And, you know, so so we'll see. Um, and, and yeah, and then, you know, I oh, the other thing I think I'm going to add that, that would make more sense is that uh, Grandal, that that um, Dirth, one of Zardarok's sons, knew about the weapon and purposefully sabotaged it. Like he purposefully put something in it that made it weaker because he just wasn't sure. He was like, I don't know if I was going to use this or not, but just in case my father turned this thing on us, I'm ready to, to, to damage it or, or uh, disable it. And and Grandolfa knows that he's got this thing. And so if they can kind of work with Dirth and Grandolfa, they'll say, yeah, he released the weapon, but, you know, use this and shatter it and it will damage the, you, you know, you'll damage it. And that way, when they face it, there's a reason why it's not the equivalent of a CR 28. Right. right. It's like, oh, it's been wounded. It's already damaged. It can't fly as fast. You, you, you the, the outer layer right. of armor was weakened and you were able to shatter it and it, it fell off and, and shot. Yeah. Yeah. So something, you know, something like that where they can, maybe it's her, her little model, right? If they damage her model, it actually damages the real one. It can't destroy it, but they can, they can limit it. And then that might buy them some time. D- DVS know. Sicarius in the chat and I are on yeah. the same page of thinking, oh, maybe we shouldn't have been <laughs> such a lazy dungeon master and planned ahead. Nah. 
right? <laughs> like, you know, meteors could hit at any time. So why, why plan three <laughs> sessions ahead? I'll just plan. I plan my next session and I make sure that I got the things going on for that session. And I heard the duck, by the yeah, way. I, um, I planned on that <laughs> session and, 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 one, and one session after. Um, so, yeah, I, I, that, that's, where, that's where my game is. Uh, I, I, have another, I have another kind of problem. Um, so I've had a pretty regular group and I've got three people that have been very, that have been very regular. Um, three. So this yeah. is a third group. This is my Wednesday group. So my, my Wednesday group has been consistent for like 15 years, okay. not always the same people. Uh, but three of the people in that group have now been playing there for more like almost I uh, probably about 15 years for, you know, 12, 13, 14 years. But I've had a lot of turn in the other in the other three people. Uh, I had a couple people that had been there for a long time, but they had other they had other things going on in their lives and had to step away. I brought some other people in and I've been having a lot of trouble with keeping keeping people um, and not you know mostly because they've got real life commitments. You know, I've had two people that have like, hey, I've got kids. I've got to take them to soccer practice. I'm really busy. And so I have an on call list of six. Right. I have I have a list of six people I can call to fill in slots as they show up. And then I've got three. I got I've got two that are regulars, right? But the they're, they're the two others on top of the other three that have been very like. So I've got a group of five that's pretty solid. But two of the five, they also have things that go on in their lives and, and right. are probably in about fifty to seventy five percent of the time. Um, and I'm thinking I might have to switch to a more not quite a West Marches y st- style game, but it's something true, where so I have a, a more of an expectation that 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 people aren't going to be there the whole time mm-hmm. and that's been tricky. So yeah, it's been, it's been, you know, it's been tough. I brought, I brought a guy on real great guy. Uh, he came on as a regular, but then seeing the commitment and seeing what was going on, he's like, look, you know, I, I have more commitments than I thought I was going to have. It's been harder right. for me to go. So I need to go on the on-call list. I was like, damn, like I went through all the trouble. Well, it's and, great. Yeah. I'm very happy so there. this is similar to the situation I had in my North Carolina group um, mm-hmm. for what, 10 years or so. And my solution was I didn't want to do the, the troop style play, but, but I decided, okay, I want to have a group of about five yeah. for any given session. And whatever week it is, there's going to be probably at least two or three people because of commitments that aren't going to be able to make it. So I actually created a group. I, try, I always tried to aim to have a group of, of seven players. Because at no point in time, or you know, other than maybe the big finale of the of the campaign, are we ever going to have all of the players there? It just yeah. never happened. Um, yeah. And so, just have I just had more players than I needed in the group, right? Recognizing that some of them are going to come in when they can, some of them are, are going to you know be there every week, and some of them are going to just pop in every now and then, and, and that worked out okay for us. Yeah, I, I tried to do it with like six and two, right? Mine was always like I wanted six regulars and two on call. Mm-hmm. And then if any time two of the regulars bowed out, like I and I, I'm perfectly happy playing with four, right? So sure. a group of four is fine for me. Yeah, that was always um, my strategy. If if I had if we had four, we'd play. If we right. had three, we do a one shot of Torg. Was usually our go to. Yeah, it's not a bad idea. I should I should probably have a fallback for for a three a three person group. Tor- Torg is great for that because everything is like a one every every adventure is a one shot. You, you know, everything yeah. is in and out three three acts and you're done. Uh, and yet it still right. kind of fits together. You know, you can yeah. still play the same yeah. characters. Yeah. Yeah, so it's just been tricky. I think I think summer summer has been a thing, and and everything else. And adults with lives is hard. 
So, yeah, so that's been not, not, a, I mean, frustration's a bit extreme, but it is funny that I have like this list of mm-hmm. seven people. Like, I'm probably going to have six people tomorrow. Uh, yeah, because I have, I have my, yeah, the, the, the uh, it looks like all of the five regulars plus one of my, uh, plus one of the people that's on call can come in. But that's been weird. And it's been weird doing that in the middle of a campaign. Right. It's like, I think now I've had th- two people, three, two or three people that have been introduced in the middle of the Icewind Dale campaign, mm-hmm. including uh, one who's playing a white. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, uh, Dazan, Dazan has a uh, Krintas, uh, his pet white. So, yeah. So there's a, um, what are they called? Uh, uh, Arcane Brotherhood member, right. Dazan. And he's dead, but his simulacrum is still around. And his simulacrum has a white bodyguard, W-I-G-H-T. Right, right, right. And, uh, and named Krintas. And so we had a player jump in playing Krintas. And now <laughs> Dazan's simulacrum is also dead, but Krintas is still out there, who he said is like, is like you know, undead Batman, right? Like, <laughs> kind of like runs in and saves people and then flies out again. Right, right. So, yeah, no, I always um, – I've always – I don't know. I used to work really hard to figure out, oh, somebody's here this week and they're not there that week and whatever and, and come up with in-game sort of explanations yeah, for that. I don't really worry I, about it. That I much. stopped doing that in fourth yeah. edition and just sort of said, you know what? You know, They're not here, whatever. Just hand wave yeah. it. Let's right. not worry about it. Oh, Any they're, they're simple, back now. Okay, simple great. explanation is fine. Yeah. yeah. I just stopped I agree. Trying. Yeah. Like everybody knows. Like the players all know what the situation is. So we don't have to bend over backwards to make the story work. Every now but, and then, if it's convenient, I'll be like, "Oh yeah, they they stayed behind at Trollskull Manor and they're they're tending the bar or whatever," uh, because that's how the session begins is leaving right, Trollskull Manor. Right. You know? so, but, so it, every- but it does mean kind of changing the style of the adventure you run because, like, I have a a player coming tomorrow and she's really only going to be there for that one session. Right. I need to make that session entertaining enough on its own well, that it's worth only being there for that. Right? And that's why I don't do that. That's why I would rather have too big of a group where only two people, you know, where two people are always going to be gone, but it's a rotating two people that are gone. Yeah. Right, because right. then there's still consistency. Like everybody's still part of the campaign. They're there yeah, occasionally yeah. throughout the entire story. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not running games for seven people. <laughs> well, <laughs> so I could do it with six. If yeah. the seven don't ever show up, then, then yeah, you're not running true. games for seven people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, so I sorry. I was just gonna say, like, yeah. I did nine for my Eberron campaign for, I guess, God. a year and a half ago. Yeah. With that idea, it's like, well, some people, you would be surprised how many times all nine of those people. Show I know. Up. I that's the, the, the right. That's the nightmare. Like, I would never want to invite more people than I'd be willing to run for. Sure. Because I, when I do that, they'll all show. I've done it. I've had seven show up almost by accident. Where like I over invited, right? Oh, yeah. And like you just go. But it's like like everyone's just having less of a good time because it's just too long and too busy I, and not enough screen time and every other reason. I ran an after school middle school group that was 20 students in one campaign because nobody else could or would DM. So they would. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's we'd only get through two two rounds yeah, yeah. of a combat every session. Uh, and and it was 20 minutes, 30 minutes or more between turns. Uh, yeah, and and they're twelve year old. They get they get bored and they get distracted, <laughs> yeah, no and, and then that makes it that makes it take <laughs> take longer. And it yeah, was it was yeah. uh, we made it work, but it was not ideal. Yeah, I want to hear about Ismail's games. <laughs> well, let's hear about Ismail Is, Ismail's games. I want to let people know if you want to follow the Tome Show uh, online, we have a Facebook, we're on Twitter, we have a Discord. Which you know, if you ask in one of those other places, actually, it's in the bio for Twitter. 
Um, we we are streaming right now on Twitch with uh, uh, an audience sort of chatting with us and asking questions that we keep interacting with. Um, and we and then when I get around to it, I upload whatever we did on Twitch onto YouTube, so you can find old stuff there as well. So. Uh, come check this out and, and track all that stuff. Uh, and it is appropriate to talk about our social media because Ismail is our uh, official social media manager. Yes, absolutely. Um, and yeah, so um, I love being the social media manager and uh, <laughs> it, it's definitely a good time and uh, it's really cool. I, I'm glad. Actually, it's funny that um, you bring that up because the Discord is a really great place to be where we talk about what uh, all everything is happening with like people's games. I think every Monday, yeah. if we're not being an addition war, then we're talking about um, like what everyone has been up to. But like, yeah. uh, I think I said this on discord. I had this like musical chairs thing happen where a bunch of my games got shifted over. And so it's like the uh, tea party in um, Alice in Wonderland. where like, I'm just <laughs> trying to figure out what game is going to go on what slot. But I won't, I won't go over all of eight of my games. Otherwise I'd like, you know, it would be uh, <laughs> enough for like three episodes. Eight, eight and a half. Um, eight and don't, a half. don't forget the half. Um, I, I run seven of those, like one and a half are ones that I actually play, but um, I'm going to only go over two, but I'm going to talk about a couple of other things really briefly. The Icewind Dale games that I ran were both for really high level game uh, campaigns. Mm. Uh, so like mm. everybody was like level 10 or 11. And so, leveling everything up for them instead of just starting at level one was really interesting but really fun um so if anybody's like oh how do i challenge people because everything's like so low i've got tips for you but we won't talk about that right now um so the two games that i will talk about are um i want to start talking about the lost minds and old kingdoms basically i just started with the lost minds of Vandelver. But then I brought it into the Palladium Fantasy uh, world, which it's like that's what I cut my teeth on like way back in the 90s. It's still kind of like goofy like Rifts is, but, you know, part down to the Palladium Fantasy kind of setting where it's a, it's more fantasy. But you're using but still- you're using fifth edition D&D in that setting. Yeah, because yeah, I, I, I'm going to be brutally honest. I, I can't I can't stomach the Palladium Fantasy uh, system. Um, it is like clunky as clunky gets, uh, but I love the setting and it works perfectly with fifth edition. I've had no complaints, no problems, no issues. Um, but uh, Lost Minds and Old Kingdoms was a game I actually started running like three years ago, um, and it went really well. Everyone was super happy with it, and then just life happened, and we stopped two years ago. So we ran it for a year. There's this two-year hiatus. Um, and then we came back about like a good three or four months ago and started running again, which has never happened. Like that's that's always been my like my pie in the sky dream of being like, well, we should come back to this game eventually. It was a lot of fun. I feel like we should get some closure. And this is the first time ever that I've ever gotten to do that. So I'm so happy we're like two sessions away from being able to like basically finish it out and get closure and, and do the whole shebang. But Um, It was one, it was almost like a session zero all over again, bringing everybody back and talking about everything that had happened and going over old notes. 
Um, and it was good. It felt good doing that. I think the like if it was a bigger group because it's like four players, uh, and they're really good about being there every time. But if if it was a bigger group, I think it'd be like, well, and then you did this, and then you did that. It would be a lot more uh, untenable. But with four people, it was really good of just having that like campfire feel of like, no, don't you remember? And this happened, and you were able to accomplish that, and there was this really cool scene where you managed to do this. Uh, so it was fun just kind of going down memory lane of like two years ago, happier times, um, but uh, like figuring out where we were and then hitting the ground running uh, the, the next session uh, was a lot of fun. Um, and so uh, it, a lot of this has been like I started the game by running Lost Minds of Fandelver. Um, I kind of extrapolated by saying, like, uh, you know, Fandolin is next to, like, this custom little area that I created. And then I just pl uh, plucked all of that and put it into the Palladium Fantasy world and built out from there. Uh, and there's a lot about that setting that I really like. A lot of the kind of conceits and uh, crazy gonzo stuff. Like, uh, the there's, like, these Cthulhu beings that have been put to sleep and they're always threatening to wake up and destroy reality or... Um, there's all of the various different like religions, uh, religions and so on. Um, but the group right now um, has basically been chasing this lich all across the continent uh, and is trying to keep him from like reawakening one of these like Cthuloid beings uh, to destroy reality because he uh, was basically like a doppelganger and persecuted his entire life until he became a lich. And he's like, well, Everybody treated me terribly, so this is my revenge on everyone, and uh, everyone's going to feel sorry for the fact that they treated me badly when reality ruptures and everything. Um, so now they're like uh, they're flying an airship to where it's all going to happen, and they're going to have their big final fight um, fairly soon, and that's probably going to take a couple of sessions. Uh, I'm kind of lucky that it's all happening online because it's easy to keep all of that flowing. I think I was going to say earlier about the, what do you do from session to session to keep things fresh? And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I would used to have to take pictures, thank you, of um, the maps to be like, okay, this is where everything was arranged last time because nobody could afford to keep a whole battle map on their kitchen table um, so that we could just come back to it the next week. So obviously having roll 20 is really good to just everything's just static there between weeks are all your uh, games not 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 all your games are, are on roll 20 are they no although for a good portion of the pandemic they were like like we i was in the middle of my eberron game and we the pandemic hit and we started very gradually moving on to roll 20 and it would that those were growing pains and you know, that's maybe a conversation for another time. We actually had a couple of episodes where we were talking about, like, you know, how this is how you do Roll20, because I think so many people uh, were went through that trial of fire, trial right. by fire, of learning Roll20 because it was Well, just yeah, it, it wasn't even, like, podcast episodes, but we streamed it because yeah. because I desperately needed to figure it out. <laughs> and and it was it, it's hard to get started. Now, once you jumped on and just showed me a few things and got the ball rolling then it was really easy to sort of pick oh, yeah. up and, and go with but it took a while to, you know, I, I don't know that i ever would have gotten there on my own at the beginning um and yeah like i had been on roll 20 for like a year and a half prior to that and so it was a lot of just muddling through that like had i not that done that i would have been just as lost as you probably uh and with like 
at that point it was like four games that I was running. Um, the pandemic obviously like kind of ballooned that out. Um, gosh, there was something I was going to say about that whole thing about them going to that final battle, but um, sorry, I just oh, you. so the Eberron game that I was running previously—that's kind of the thing I was saying—is uh, I had this one giant battle that like took place. It was like this circus, and they were fighting a shadow dragon, and it was crazy stuff. But it took uh, it took like three games to play out this whole battle, and it was actually really epic. It wasn't like one of those that drew out, and it was just like taking pictures and remember re- remembering where everything is. But I say that because this huge epic battle is going to probably take two sessions, and it'd be all online, um, and that's just it's going to be so much easier to just keep track of everything that way. Um, but that one's going to end um, probably in the next two sessions, I hope. Um, someone's going to run a game of Lancers in between, and we're probably going to start playing Heavy Gear after that, unless we like fall in love with Lancers and decide to do that instead. But so, so what uh, is Lancers and Heavy Gear? So Lancers, <laughs> I don't know a lot about because one of the, my players is like, "Hey, I just got this as a gift. Can we try it?" And I'm like, "Cool." Lancers uh, seems to be this kind of like. Uh, Everybody pilots giant robots, and it's very kind of stylized, and it's very like genre driven. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like you're the cool guy who drives the, or writes the giant robot that's super fast, or you're like the big tough guy who has like the giant robot that can't be moved and stuff like that. So it's that's, it's, it's Gundam the RPG. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, but Heavy Gear, on the other hand, uh, I have done so much Dungeons and Dragons over the last three or four years that I want to do just a little bit of something else. And I love heavy gear. Uh, I've been a huge fan of dream pod nine for the like, you know, for, for probably about a decade. Um, and I want to get back into that setting and, and run just a good old fashioned, but they don't support the line anymore, but a good old fashioned second edition, uh, heavy gear game. So I'm really looking forward to that. I'm pouring over old books and just like having a nostalgia fest. Um, gosh, there was something I was going to say about that. I've been, my, my mind's been racing a mile <laughs> a minute. <laughs> um, but that's where that's where. Oh, I was gonna say that uh, I saw on uh, Roll Twenty because it keeps track of how many hours you've played, and I'm like at two thousand five hundred. Wow! Just on Roll Twenty. Um, so there's like verifiable like I've been at that for that long on Roll Twenty. Um, but that's that's that game. Like I'm I, I I am really proud of that game because it was it came back from a two year hiatus as I mentioned, mm-hmm. and that's like. You never hear that. Like, I think that's the unicorn that, like, a lot of groups chase of, like, oh, man, that game was good, and we almost finished it. Well, usually, yeah, if a game takes that long of a hiatus, it's probably gone, right? It's it's faded, and and you'll never get back to it. Mm -hmm. People move away, or they move on. They start role-playing and all that business. But uh, I was lucky enough to keep in contact with all of these people. And two of them are, like, friends from high school. That like they were the ones I started uh, role playing with, so that was really fun. Uh, my second game, and I know I probably have somewhere in the vicinity of five, uh, five minutes left. Um, so I've been on this huge kick. I was, I was off by ten seconds. I was <laughs> on this huge kick of playing games in the Palladium Fantasy setting, uh, it using fifth edition rules. So I'm not going to talk about my other game yet. Maybe I'll do that sometime in the future. But it's uh, I. It's a huge, weird mashup. I'm just going to just give you the premise of that game I'm not going to talk about. Of the Palladium Fantasy setting with the Rise of the Rune Lords, um, oh. like uh, uh, Adventure Path, 
using fifth edition rules, and I've been <laughs> loving it. I'll talk about that another time. But then my third Palladium Fantasy game in fifth edition is one that I call the Cursed Fen, um, Cursed Fen of the Old Kingdoms. Um, and I, th- these are two games that I've had running in the Old Kingdoms of the Palladium Fantasy world. Um, but I'm really proud of this game because the premise to it is that everybody starts out cursed by the big bad guy, and that's how they got, like, it's not a, they don't meet in a tavern. They start out in this, like, uh, ancient elven village that's, like, desiccated because it, too, is cursed. Um, and so it's like an Ewok village, but, like, everything's dead. Um, and so they are trying to figure out, like, who cursed them, why have they been cursed, how do they get uncursed... Uh, and it's been this kind of journey of, of figuring things out. Uh, one vital thing that they learned in the last mm, uh, 10 sessions is that whenever they uncurse something by the big bad, um, the big bad gets to show up as their past persona and fight them. Mm. Um, and it's this kind of like magical manifestation. that's almost like an illusion, but it has like some punch to it. Right. So they have to fight the bad guy, like the different uh, developmental stages of, of, that bad guy's life and so they're not just like oh we'll just cast remove curse when we get it they're like oh every time we do this sorry i shouldn't have said that better <laughs> um, every time we do this we're gonna have a fight on our hands and it's not gonna be easy uh, but also uh i had a really cool thing happen which is um this group of players i had um we had that we ran the Icewind Dale campaign with them and concluded it. And one of my players had to leave. He's like, I have other things I got to pursue. I really love this, like, you know, this game and this group and I want to come back eventually, but uh, life is too busy right now and I have to go and do that. So I was like, that's great. You've got always got a, a spot at my table, but about two or three months ago, he's like, Hey, I want to come back, but I only have like three or four weeks to play with. Would you let me come in? as like a character that you can like play with for four sessions and maybe do something really interesting. Uh, and what we did with that is um, I made him be a barbarian, but his like his ability to like rage and do barbarian stuff can't, comes from possession. And so there's like a demon inside him that lets him rage and do all this crazy stuff. Um, so he's like, Hey, um, I have amnesia. Uh, you know, I need your help. Like, you know, something killed my entire village and I need to, like, find revenge. Um, the only memory I have is that there's this shrine that will remove curses um, and it will repel evil so you don't have to worry about, like, whatever uh, consequences. Um, and somehow he knows about that and that didn't make them suspicious, which I was great. I was, I was happy about. Um, but he's like, let's go there and we can help each other and we can remove all these curses and everything. And they're like, yeah, great. So they go with him to uh, remove the curse and they like fight these like uh, bad guys to get into the, the church. And uh, this all takes the course of like four sessions. And so this was his last session being there. And it all worked out perfectly to where uh, the possession kind of took form of like this big shadow demon. And he started fighting them, and they were like, oh, no, and we can't fight our friend. And I really was prepared for them to just beat him to a pulp <laughs> and not care about the fact that, like, it, because, like, he was only there for a couple of sessions. Like, well, I didn't think they'd, like, develop a, a kinship. Uh, but they did, and uh, I was really happy with that. 
uh, and they figured out like the the shadow demon was like invulnerable. They couldn't hurt it with anything. I was trying to like make them hurt him, and they didn't. So that was kind of cool. And so I let them do all of these weird little like mini games in the middle of this combat, avoiding him to basically remove the demon and like slay it and and banish it. But in doing so, um, like this was all pre-planned. In doing so, he died because the only reason he was alive was the shadow demon brought him back to life. And they learned that he had previously been cursed by the big bad guy. We'll call the bad guy the Pontifex. Um, but the Pontifex had cursed him, and he died while under the curse. And what they learned is that when you die and are cursed by the Pontifex, the Pontifex then gets to raise you like a zombie and use you anyway. Well, like you're a you're you're a puppet at that point, and that's what he was. He was a puppet used by the Pontifex to like lure them into this trap which they managed to survive but the pontifex is like i'm tired of these guys they uh uh they're ruining my plans uh, i i really need to mix them so he sent this guy to infiltrate them and use as a puppet to do all this stuff and so at the very end of the session they were like oh damn if we die at all we're gone there's no resurrection there's no uh raised dead like they're they will they know now that they will be gone and under the control of the Pontifex. So that has raised the stakes considerably. Um, and they, that was yesterday. And we had a lot of fun and everybody was like super happy with the way that it turned out. And it was like suitably dramatic and and, uh, and everybody was just like super happy to see the old uh, player come back and, and get to do stuff. And uh, it was kind of a slam dunk all around. That's awesome. Yeah, so very cool. before we, oh, while we were introducing the episode tonight, uh, Mike was grilling you in the chat instead of, you know, on Mike uh, about running eight and a half games and how you do it. So, Mike, do you have any additional questions for? <laughs> yeah, well, for Ish? yeah. So for the for the for the sake of the show, I, I guess a, a few questions that I've got like one for me, like, where do you, you know, where do you get all the material to run that many games? Like, where do you harvest so yeah, I, I said this in the material chat, for so many games, but I'll, I'll extrapolate. But it, it really is the uh, the Jeff Greiner method of I just take like you know uh, I take the peanut butter and the chocolate and I mush them together <laughs> and I make the Reese's peanut butter cup. But um, like you saw the the other game I didn't quite talk about was like Rise of the Rune Lords. But then I'm putting in Palladium Fantasy because they have this whole thing with fire giants, so that's perfect. I, I draw that in. Um, and I use, of course, the fifth edition rules because I'm like super comfortable with them. And that's like the most important thing for me and the players. Um, and the um, there was a point at which I did. It was something like um, out of the abyss, but I brought in elements of um, what is a dragon heist. And then I mixed in a, a little bit of, uh, like, what is it, uh, Descent into Avernus. And so, like, so every so often I'll just get this wild hair of being like, I really, really want to run a game that uses these three, like, weird disparate elements. And I start putting together material. And, like, from there it's kind of like uh, this big bang. It's like this collision of, like, weird energies just kind of writes itself. And it's the... Uh, connecting the dots between the things that should not be connected to like it, it kind of like writes the story in my head and a ton of it because i, I run uh, seven games right now is like a ton of it is just super improv and playing off of uh off of my players um and i'm fortunate 
to have players that I can like really riff off of and just they'll bounce really good ideas uh, at me and then I'll bounce them back at them. Um, but when I can find the spare time, which is not a lot these days, um, I will just dive into uh, my really messy Evernote notes and just start writing like, all right, in this next session, we're going to do this. Or I'll get this like random idea at like midnight, you know, when I'm trying to go to sleep and just like, oh, I guess I better <laughs> get up and start writing notes um, and just put in like, this is a really good idea for like how to handle this villain or this NPC or this storyline and just start writing. And then like, you know, usually I'll sit down at the game and like, you know, skim my notes for about five minutes and go, all right, this is how we're doing it. And then just boom. Um, but I it's... I find I do a lot more of the like outlining prep, uh, you know, bullet pointing sort of these are the major events I imagine to happen at the session sort of prep um, in like the first half of a campaign because I'm establishing so much and I don't want to mess mm -hmm. up like all these story elements that I'm that I'm introducing, whatever. But then once all the story elements are sort of out there and it's just a matter of seeing how it all sort of swirls together and plays out and whatever <laughs> – I, I find that I, I just completely stop my prep almost entirely other than just pulling the minis I need for combats that I expect. To happen, you know? That's yeah. all I do for prep anymore because because like the stories are done. Like now it's just playing it out to see how they're going to stop it or, or or defeat the big bads, you know? Yeah. And to just to show like the, the madness at my method, uh, like the, the Icewind Dale game that I ran for the group that I'm now doing the uh, Cursed Fen where everyone's cursed. Um, that one started as a um, Curse of the Crimson Throne, another Paizo adventure path that I put into Baldur's Gate that, um, of course, I was running with fifth edition. And we ran that whole thing. And everybody wanted to keep going, and that was why I was like, well, Icewind Dale just came out. Are you guys cool if I just run that? And we can kind of, like, use that to, like, as a launching board. Um, and so everybody was, like, super established at that point, except for one player who came in. Um, and I was able able to then to kind of... Uh, I just leveled everything up, and I've been I've been learning the, the precious art of, like, making enemies super hard without making them, like, super deadly. Um, but it, it's tricky and it's, it's, it's not for the faint of heart, but, uh, we got through that entire Icewind, uh, Dale campaign, but like the, the latter half of that is like unrecognizable from the hardcover and just because they kind of took what they wanted to and ran with it. And I loved it every, every moment of them doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, and that started a thing that I was doing where if I was running two or three games in the same universe, like I had another Icewind Dale game happening, I would have things happen that would affect the other games. And that is probably one of my favorite things to do because that writes so many like intricate little plot lines of like, oh, they stole that Tarask scroll, so now you can't have that. Right. Um, and <laughs> then the, the, the group that wanted the Tarask scroll is like, oh my God, what are they even going to do with it? And then the group with the Tarask scrolls, I don't even know what this is. I'm just going to put it in the back. <laughs> um, and I find some of the love, like I had... My players in my in my campaign were were really excited about finding a wish scroll, you know, and they 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 talked about it for for several levels, and then they actually found one, and uh, one of the players sort of snagged it and won't give it up, uh, and the other player is the one who really wanted it, and all and and, and they were really looking forward to like I'm going to get a wish, and it's going to be awesome, and they've had it now for like 
I don't know, 10 sessions and haven't even talked once about actually using it. <laughs> and then what was the point? Okay, uh-huh. fine. <laughs> so they're, they're weird that way, right? They get really into a thing, like a oh, scroll yeah. of terrestrial summoning, and then, you know, maybe it doesn't matter. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, but yeah, I mean, un- unless you have any, any questions about my, my wacky uh, compulsion to play games and any amount of free time that I have. <laughs> no, it's awesome. Good. All right. Well, we have been chatting for. I've got too many windows open. I didn't open my second screen tonight, so uh, we've been chatting for. It's been an hour and fifteen minutes. That's not too bad for each of us talking for fifteen minutes, right? That's how time works. <laughs> That's how time works. <laughs> <laughs> three three people talk for fifteen minutes. Uh, that's a, what an hour and fifteen. Yeah, that's uh-huh. perfect. So, but I think it's probably time to go ahead and call that the end of the episode, if that's cool. Um, so we will do that. I thank everybody for, for being with us, uh, gentlemen. It's been fun. Uh, those of you in the chat, thank you for joining us on the Twitch. That's been super fun. Um, it's, it's, it's a good time and we'll do it again next month. Uh, you know, theoretically Sam will be back, but if not, we, we know that Ish somehow runs eight and a half games and can still show up for our podcast. With, yeah, thir- with 30 minutes show. notice can, can, can make it happen. So Miraculously, Tuesday is the one day I don't have a game. Oh. <laughs> well, that works out because we normally record on Thursdays. So. <laughs> All right. Very good. All right. Well, this is fun. Uh, and I think we're, we're done. So say goodbye, guys. Goodbye, guys. Goodbye, guys.